Hello, everyone. My name is Jimena Dusan Aya Pearson, and you are listening to Root Stories of the Soul, Soulful Talks with Jimena. Now, for decades, I have had a big interest and passion for stories of our roots, our ancestors, our genius loci or spirit of place, and how all these are interwoven through our souls, and or like James Hillman says, soul making. Now, for the past few years, I have been studying uh, archetypal and Jungian studies uh, with an emphasis in depth psychology. And each week, I will be bringing to you stories from people around the world about what makes the soul a place and what gives a place its soul. And we will be exploring different elements about the uh, about the places that we uh, came from and the places that we live in. So this is really a space for people um, where they can tell their stories about their origins, about their ancestors, about their um, place they call home, and also how we can all invite the soul of the world back into our lives. I cannot wait. I am so excited to bring you so much more. So welcome everyone um, to episode eight of Root Stories of the Soul. Uh, My name is Jimena and I am your host. I am excited to bring to you um, a very special, uh, I think, topic uh, to me, um, being an immigrant of, um, you know, Colombia, South America. And today's topic, we're talking about um, unidad, which means unity in English. Uh, it Unidad a Gay and Lesbian Latinos Unidos, and it's a documentary with, which chronicles the early 1980s queer Latino activism in Los Angeles. Today's guest is a very special friend of mine who I have known for the past four years. He and I met at Pacifica Graduate Institute while we were both enrolled in the Humanities and Creative Life program with an emphasis in depth psychology. Roland Palencia is a professor at California State University's Northridge Sang College in the Diverse Community Development Leadership, MAA program. He's an award-winning filmmaker. He's the former Community Benefits Director and Corporate Trainer at LA Care Health Plan, the largest public health plan in the nation. He is also the former executive director of Clinica Monsenor Oscar Arromero and Equality California, and former multi-county regional director at the California Endowment and chief of operations and vice president at the AIDS Healthcare Foundation. So I wanna welcome Ro Roland to here to my podcast. Anything else I missed? I know there's some. Yeah, I mean, like you, you know, we have these long trajectories and there's so much that we have done, but that was a very generous introduction. So I really, really appreciate that. And and I think, uh, you know, it highlights, uh, you know, the many worlds in which I have uh, rooted myself. And that is, you know, being a community activist, you know, but also using different mediums like, uh, writing, you know, but also filmmaking, and and also 
lecturing, being a professor, you know, because that is as, as much as you're a professor, you're also a coach, you're a mentor, you're part of that support system, and you're also part of that, you know, which is the theme of your podcast, you know, of you're part of the roots that intertwine below the surface for many of these students uh, who come you know, from low-income families many times, and they're many times the first generation of university students. You know, no one in their family, even extended family, has ever been to college. So we, um, I think that we as professors have that very special duty, uh, obligation, but also privilege uh, to contribute and, and, and to root them into you know, academics, you know, but also into finding their sense of purpose. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And and I, and I think, you know, my um, whole podcast is about bringing the stories of, of people that have either been uprooted from their environment, they have been uprooted from their communities, um, also, they have been uprooted from their families in some way. And, you know, I think what you created along with these other men and women, you know, uh, coming together with um, the Gay and Lesbian Latino Unidos, which the acronym itself, it's blue, you know, it's what unites us. So I want to kind of begin with having... Uh, tell our listeners your story, like what, what, you know, how did that became or how that has become your glue to. Yeah, no, very, no, thank you for asking. So, you know, uh, many of us come from different, um, you know, just different histories, right? Um, you know, many of the pe people in glue, you know, were like fifth, 10th generation uh, Mexican-Americans, Chicanos, Hispanos, uh, who were literally rooted in this land long before the U.S. became a nation, and, and certainly before California or New Mexico or Arizona became uh, states. As you know, the Southwest was part of Mexico before 1848. So, so there was so different people had different roots, you know, different stories. And my uh, creation story is that I was born and raised in Guatemala, Central America. I was born on the Caribbean side, kind of on the Colombian side of okay. uh, Guatemala. There's a little piece of Guatemala that is between Belize and Honduras. And it's very Caribbean. At least it was very much so. Well, the weather is still is. But in terms of the 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 people, uh, the demographics, uh, you know, very a lot of... Um, Guatemalans of African descent, which are, which are a small minority, but it was a bigger minority at that time. And, and people who spoke, you know, so many different languages. Guatemala itself has 24 uh, recognized languages and Spanish is only one of the 24. And the other one is Garifuna, which is mainly Guatemalans of African descent who've been there for generations and generations, who migrated from the Caribbean long, you know, many, 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 many uh, decades, if not over a century ago. And the rest are Mayan-based languages. So but that's my, those are my words, you know, just being uh, in, in an environment where you could hear different sounds, different phonetics, different people speaking different languages. And it was, it, it, when I read uh, Gabriel Garcia Marquez's 100 Years of Solitude, Maconto so reminded me of my hometown because we had people from all over the world. I mean, like the banker, you know, was, uh, you know, he was 
from Greece. And because the United Fruit Company was in Puerto Barrios, that's where I was born, Puerto Barrios, mm -hmm. Isabel, um, many of my classmates were from the U.S. And, uh, and also many of them were from Belize and many of them were from Spain. I mean, and it goes on. It was like a little microcosm of different cultures and nationalities. So when I came to L.A., to Los Angeles, I pretty much already had that template of mm -hmm. listening to different languages and knowing about different cultures. And I came to the U.S. when I was 18. Mm -hmm. And uh, so it was, it was, uh, you know, I was not quite a full-blown adult, but I was definitely not a child. So it's kind yeah. of like that, a little bit of a twilight, twilight, you know, zone as far as age is concerned. Um, and, you know, and of course, you know, part of that experience is also being a gay child, you know, because I knew since the age of five that I was different, that, that somehow I didn't want to play the games like soccer and, you know, those kinds of sports like the rest of my siblings or male cousins or, or friend, male friends or schoolmates who, who were male. I, I tended to do things that were softer, like, you know, playing with the girls, you know, mm -hmm. you know, but also, you know, I was feeling more attracted to you know, you know, I, I remember, I mean, I would look at the kid and say, oh my God, he's beautiful. But of course I didn't have the language. I didn't have, I just knew that it was something that I was supposed to keep hidden. Yeah. And um, and then, uh, anyways, I'll say more, but maybe you want to ask a question or so, follow up. So something, you know, you, you mentioned these, you, you, we, we often live kind of being on the outskirt of a group yeah. by either our our um, social status, yeah. you know, uh, but also our gender, you know, right. or right. our sexual orientation. Yeah. And he here you are having all these, you know, factors going almost like against you. You know, you're like Latino, yeah. Uh, yeah. you're, you know, male, but you, and you're also yeah. gay. So yeah, yeah. how do you manage to kind of, yeah unify those yeah yeah i think it's you know it's about reclaiming right because i mean what happens is as you you're born uh you're a gay child right i mean uh, uh, that's definitely my my experience in terms of my sexual orientation and uh and, and you're born into a family that doesn't really want you to be that way you know, uh, as a matter of fact, it will resist you. It will, you know, just fight against you. You know, you, you know what you feel is your very own nature. And so not only you have the family institution, which is very strong, and particularly in Latin America, you know, that's a very strong institution because, you know, governments are relatively weak. And so, you know, the family kind of like takes over, you know, that, you know, all the responsibilities yeah, many definitely. times, you know, that, that a government should, should help to support. And the educational system is completely devoid of any positive figures, you know, of gay people, who, you know, have contributed to Guatemalan culture, you know, yeah. and, and, and as a matter of fact, you know, I can't even think of anyone, you know, maybe now, but not, you know, because, you know, it was so hidden. And, and so you have the educational institution, you have your family, you have uh, religion, you know, which is very, very powerful influence yeah, in, in Latin in America. Latin America. Yep. Exactly. And then you have you know, law enforcement, right? You know, the military. So think of a five-year-old kid who is facing resistance, sometimes hatred, sometimes violence, you know, from all these very 
critical institutions that shape yeah. the entire nation and all the individuals. And, and I think that the question that you ask is, how do you reclaim yourself? How do you recollect yourself in the midst of this, you know, uh, you know, you know, violent rejection of who you are? Yep. And uh, and I think that there is uh, there is something whether you call it a soul or you call it your inner being or your essence or uh, the Buddha na nature in you, whatever mm -hmm. that might be called, that mm -hmm. there's part of you that never compromises. Yeah. And uh, and 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 then and if it does, it will really distort you and it will destroy you. Yeah. And I think that I was lucky enough to even though I did not have a name, I did not have a language. There was something about my essence that I never fully gave up. In 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 spite of the efforts to squash it, to belittle it, to undermine it, you know, to destroy it. Um, yeah. So when I came to the U.S., uh, I, uh, you know, I. I guess I you know, started to seek for, you know, you, you hear in the media, right? That, you know, the gay movement and this and that. And, uh, but anyways, I'll tell you more about that because so, I'm already kind yeah. of crossing the border to the US now. <laughs> so, so before I plan yeah. my, so, myself so in before, LA. So before we go that far, we I know you started a little bit on, you know, so you came to the, you crossed the border in 1974. Is that correct? Correct, correct. Okay, yeah. and at that you were how old again when you were? I was I was about to be eighteen. Yeah, I was in my job. And you crossed. Remind me. I know you've kind of told Nogales, me. Arizona, Nogales. Yes. Uh, and you came with your siblings. How many siblings? Younger siblings. Three younger siblings. Uh, and you and it was just you and your siblings. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So what happened is my mom actually had a visa. Uh, to make a long story short, she was trying to get us here legally but it took so long and she was just and by so long i mean like six seven months and nothing was coming up so she says you know i'm just gonna take them and you know we're gonna cross the border so we basically did that you know and basically the way it happened it was in those days it was relatively a little bit easier we didn't have to go through a desert and we didn't have and there was this kid you know he must have been 10 years old and he had these scissors to cut a wire and so he opened this big hole that the four of us, you know, just went through. And literally it was an initiation kind of experience. Kind of that ritual. Going, yeah. Yeah. You're going from the third world to the first world, to, yeah. you know, to poverty, some level of disorder. Uh, and then you go into these like manicure lawns, you know, clean streets, white streets. Um, you know, the cars are clean, they're rather new, they're not chatarras, you know, they're not like, you know, <laughs> these, uh, you know, these cars that are falling apart. And, uh, you know, but there was something also sterile about yeah. it, you know, yeah. something sterile, right? You're, you're living the warmth of everything you knew, and, and everyone you knew. And and so that was, that was a real, um, you know, that was a very real uh, transition. Uh, so yeah, so we crossed the border with no paper, and then my mom was on the other side of the border. She was on the Arizona side. Okay. So the, the twin cities are the twin cities of Nogales, Nogales, Mexico, and Nogales, uh, Arizona. Arizona. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, so you, I mean, here you are, almost eighteen or eighteen, with yeah. you know the responsibility of of wow. my you know, younger siblings, your younger siblings, and. You know, you, you mentioned this idea of kind of, you know, it's like, I don't know if you felt broken at the time, but like, yeah. well, like, so coming into a new country, 
where where did you find uh, you know ways of kind of you know not fixing but um oh. you know bringing that together you know that kind of brokenness that yeah i mean i i think that you know even though i didn't quite knew it at that time i felt it i felt it that i was coming into a country where there were more opportunities not necessarily economically because we were relatively well off in guatemala we had our own business with 20 employees but you know my mom we left everything we, yeah. uh, because you know part of it was my father was involved in in underground resistance you know guerrilla kind of movement he unfortunately you know he was eventually uh uh, he had been assassinated in '71, and we, you know, left three years later. Uh, my, uh, but, but what? Um, but I sensed that there was there was something in the air. There was something in the air, and that there was more, maybe opportunities, but also more of an openness and for me to be to rescue that part of me that had not been reclaimed and taken care of and nurtured. Uh, you know, to also claim my sexual orientation, my gay spirit, you yeah. know, the roots yeah. of that gay spirit. And I think that one metaphor as trivial as this might sound is, you know, one of the first things that we went, because we we're hungry, we went to supermarket. Hmm. And there were like 20 types of cereal. And I'm saying, why do people <laughs> eat 20 types of cereal? I mean, you only need one or two, you're not going to eat all that. And all kinds of cheeses and all kinds of vegetables, because you know, basically when we were born, you eat the vegetables and the fruits that are grown in the area. You don't like yeah. import, maybe yeah. now, but you know, yeah. at that time eating uh, eating an apple or grapes, you know, where we were born in Puerto Barrios, in Guatemala, it was like a big thing because yeah. it just, we don't, just don't grow that. And here it was the diversity and the options and the choices. And I think that that just really um, had uh, an impression on me. Yeah, all the, all the different um, choices that you come across when you when you yeah mind boggling to the point that you're almost uh, paralyzed by like what do I do now? Yeah, yeah. Um. So, okay. So you here you are, and then I know that uh, a few years later, after you came to the U.S., that's when you came across this group, right? Yeah. Which. Uh, GLUE, uh, which stands for Gay and Lesbian Latinos Unidos. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, f I find that again, you know, that ac acronym of GLUE, you know, going back yeah. to the idea of what put, uh, glues us together, what keeps us yeah. together. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and I think you and I have talked about that as a human being, I think we're all trying to find that sense of belonging. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's one of our greatest needs. I mean, we're social beings, you know, we, we human beings uh, are social beings more so than many other um, uh, animal species. We truly like to be, I mean, think about it. I mean, the U.S. is a 350 million people collective, you know, like we, I mean, it's amazing you're on the freeway and, you know, for days and days and knock on wood, you know, uh, you don't see an accident, you know? Uh, well, you see them in LA more than any other place, but, you know, so there's there's this really agreement and working collectively to, to a great extent and and the schools and the universities and, you know, uh, and, and, you know, you can put like a hundred thousand people in a stadium and unless it's soccer, you know, <laughs> you know, where people, you know, 
I mean, there were all kinds of like fights and riots and everything. But you know, generally, hundred thousand people. But can you imagine? You cannot even you cannot even put twenty monkeys in the stadium yeah. before this yeah. mayhem. So our level of socialization is tremendous because we, for the most part, wanna you know wanna be um, good to other people, or social to other people. And of course, you know, there's an aberration to that. There are crimes. There's wars. There's all that. But when you look at it, the vast majority of what we do is is uh, you know is uh, is basically people being relatively okay with each other you know yeah. and uh, and so that sense of belonging is really truly truly critical and i think we want to belong because that that means acceptance and that yeah. means that there's some wholesomeness uh, integration that you feel and that makes you you know so much more um to be at peace with yourself yeah so um, so what was happening kind of around the time that you met, you know, these other groups? Yeah, so I was I was actually, um, uh, this was back in 1980, 81. And, and I was, I, I had uh, gone to UCLA I, uh, in, in 1977. Uh, I actually had very good grades and especially math and everything. And so I got accepted to UCLA and and then, of course, at, at universities, you see, you meet so many other people from all walks of life. Yeah. Uh, you know, basically, when you're in high school, and I was in high school for two two years or so, uh, it's people like you. And I was in ESL, English as a second language. Mm-hmm. So I, I basically hung out people with the same culture, even though many of them were from, um, you know, from Vietnam, from uh, Laos, from Korea. Uh, Pakistan, you know, what have you, we're still immigrants and we're non-English speakers and the cultures that we came from were relatively more conservative. So when, when I went to UCLA, it was like a whole different world. It's almost like crossing borders. Borders again. To, yeah. yeah, crossing borders. And of course, I met gay people. I befriended this person who was a, became very good friends. He started to come out of the closet. And then, of course, that, that certainly... Uh, you know, uh, had a, an impact on me. And then I joined MECHA, which is uh, the Chicano Student Association. That's that MECHA stands for Movimiento Estudiantil Chicano de Land. It's a long name. Okay. And, uh, and and basically what happened is they found out that I was gay and they, they told me that if I run for office in MECHA, they will tell everyone that I was gay. They will out me. They, they oh. will out me. And at that time, I was so paranoid and so my internalized homophobia was right i mean very solid yeah uh, and, and and i just i, I just decided like I, I don't want to do that and i think i was a coordinator for like you know a semester or something like that or three quarters i'm sorry because we're in the quarter system at ucla but then i found that uh, about the center and then i went to the center and and also there was a gay archives not too far from 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 the center and hollywood basically and i saw this flyer that said support group for Spanish speakers, you know, Grupo de Apoyo para uh, Hombres Gays en Español, you know, like a support uh, support group for, for uh, gay Latino men, uh, Spanish-speaking gay Latino men, and I joined. And that group eventually founded this organization called Gay Latinos Unidos. And after that, we decided that within six months that we wanted to be a co-ed yeah. Um, uh, and then, so in 1981, we became gay and lesbian Latinos Unidos. So you, so it became. So I, I think one of the things that I really 
after watching the documentary that I found that being gay or lesbian and Latino don't necessarily yeah. have to be exclusively like they, they right. you know, they, there's again that sense of unity, yeah. that sense yeah. of inclus inclusivity. Yeah. That I think the group, which I think later on became more of a group, but became a movement. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Brought that together, like it brought out the voices of not just gays, of not just yeah. lesbians, yeah. but of men and women. And yeah. Yeah, all, yeah. all in one. Yeah. Well, you know, the thing about it is that because we segment that in our society. And we think that white is universal. So there is no, you can be white and a whole bunch of other stuff. And that that that's fine because you you can afford to have uh, at least our society has allowed, you know, for you know whites to to be a number of things, you know, a range of things. And 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 is it doesn't put those kinds of limits. And 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 I think if you're a Latino, sometimes that, especially that time, of course, it's changing now. Uh, even though some things are the same, some things you know are actually changing. But at that time, it was almost like either if you're Latino, you go to Latino things. If uh -huh. you're gay, you go to gay things. Uh -huh. And gay at that time meant white gay males. You know, not yeah. even did not even include lesbians. Um, and we decided like enough of that crap. You know, we are one. Uh, integrated human being and I love my uh ethnicity as I much as I love my gayness and to yeah. me they're inseparable you yeah. know it doesn't mean that they they're not distinct in some ways but they're inse inseparable in terms of your entire being and I think that's what glue did glue really created a lot of the what we now call intersectional language which yeah. means that you know you are the crossroads of different identities but you reclaim it all and you can walk peacefully with every part of you. Yeah. And so this kind of takes me on to a question that I had thought about. Do you think society defines and confines us by either our gender or immigrant status? You know, it, it, it kind of, like you said, it creates these separation, you know? Okay, here's a group for gays. Here's a group right. for lesbian. Here's a group for Latinos, you know, a group right. for whites. But we're lacking. Yeah, I mean, ideally, we wouldn't have any, you know, and it's a, it's a double-edged sword because on one hand, you want to have those spaces where people who have those multiple identities feel that they are um, dignified for all they are, you mm -hmm. know, without leaving any part of them um, uh, outside, so to speak, right? That you, you bring it all and yeah. you're rooted at every part of who you are. However, society ha has constructed you to be that you're completely rooted uh, in every single part of those identities. You know, on the other hand, um, what we don't talk about is that, you know, whiteness itself is an identity. Whiteness yeah. is an identity, but we see it as universal. You know, we see like, okay, Blacks are in their own thing and, and Asians are doing their own thing and Latinos are doing their own thing. You know, but the reality is that you know, whiteness is an identity and it's a dominant identity. And, you know, and, and basically this nation was created to benefit and, and to promote and to ingrain on this soil, you know, that white identity. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, and a lot of, uh, uh, yeah, so it's brought, you know, all kinds of things, you know, to these lands. <laughs> and, uh, you know, with Latinos, it becomes a little bit more complicated because, I see, these were multiracial from the get-go. Many yeah. of us, not all of us, but yeah. you know, I, 
you know, I I have no connection to my Mayan heritage, but of course, you know, I have Mayan blood. Uh, yeah. I I have very little connection to my Spanish European ancestry, but of course, you know, I have that. But so we neither, you know, so we're neither Europeans, we're non-indigenous. If I go to an indigenous village or town in Guatemala, people will not consider me indigenous. Yeah. End of the story. Yeah. I don't care yeah. how much I try to. And and so I think that, you know, that complicates the situation too, you yeah. know, in terms of the labels that, that you're talking about. So I, I just think that, you know, we have what we have and we interpret who we are at this point, but at the end of the day is we want to have individual peace, you know, but also make sure that those things that we're associated with for good or for bad are not belittled and they're not uh, trampled upon. Yeah. And and I think speaking of that whiteness, um, in the in the documentary, I can't remember who said it, but it was important for for the group to become visible, right? And there's a point in the documentary where um, you got someone talks about breaking breaking through the white consciousness, yeah, kind of right. you know the idea of kind of that. That, you know, like we say in the depth psychology world and in, you know, yeah. our psyche, you know, the, the white psyche, you know. Yeah. Um, so how, like, how was it I, I, that you, that you thought, like, wh at what mo moment do you feel like you broke through that white consciousness? Like, Yeah, I mean, I don't know if we even have, even now, <laughs> completely, you know, I, I think that you know what that uh uh i think that we meant to basically say look you know we want to be treated as equals we deserve to be treated as equals but not just on a personal one-to-one -one, because sometimes people take it very personal yeah when i when i talk to men about sexism they they take it very personal i said no sexism is a whole system mm -hmm. you know and yes the personal perpetuates that but understand that it's about dismantling a whole system. This is not just your personal view. Of course, that would help that you're not insulting women, you're not belittling women, uh, you know, but understand that there's a whole system that is in place that perpetuates that. So at the end of the day, if we're going to be, you know, men who want to really, uh, you know, help contribute to the liberation of women, obviously we're not gonna do it because women have to do it themselves, but men can help a lot because we are the ones who perpetuate. So the same thing with race, people people take it personal, you know, as opposed to like, okay, here it is, it's a system, it's a system and how do I begin to help to dismantle that? So yeah. all of us, you know, can really have the opportunities and, and uh, that we need to have and we don't, um, you know, have systems that perpetuate this ugliness that yeah. is, you know, on the 20, 21st century should not even exist. I mean, we should be so done with this. Yeah. Now, do you th do you think some of the issues that you that your group experienced in the 80s, you, you kind of touch on it a little bit, but are they the same now or are they different? Do you think? We're yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I think that some of the rhetoric has changed uh, because at that time, even the rhetoric of having communities of colors as, as communities of color as equal partners was not even there. Uh, I think the rhetoric has changed. Um, I think the actual 
situation, probably not as much, you know, probably not as much. I mean, if you look at, uh, you know, LGBTQ uh, organizations, at least the biggest ones, uh, they're generally not people of color who are leading them. There are some exceptions to the rule, and I think the exceptions prove, prove the rule. Yeah. yeah. But um, but that's not the case. I mean, it's still very much, uh, you know, white-led, and, and I don't think that a lot of the issues... Uh, you know, really seep through uh, to to substantially change the situation in communities of color, uh, and the same thing in the Latino community. You know, I mean, there there are obviously uh, LGBTQ people in Latino leadership positions and organizations, but I don't know that uh, it is you know like one of the major things that you know that many even civil rights looking organizations you know take on i mean again that has improved and i have to tell you sometimes i you know i feel far more comfortable being in a latino all latino organization than being in a gay organization that is primarily driven by by whites it, it, it's just qualitatively different wow can you expand a little bit on that That's yeah so you know what it is is like you know uh, and, and it's like kind of like the same thing. Like a lot of the women in the film said, you know, I didn't want to go and be part of a white feminist group. Okay. And you would think, right? They're women, so they identify yeah. with women, the women yeah. issues and blah, yeah. blah, blah. As opposed to like going to an organization that started as a gay male support group. Huh. Right? So it was easier to, you know, for us to transform that into a co-ed organization than at least I, I believe, you know, and, and and it sounds, you know, from what the women in the group, the, the Latina lesbians in, in the film said that, uh, you know, and I don't know if it was explicit or implicit, but it was easier to be in that environment that to go into a white feminist organization and talk about women, lesbians, or color issues. But okay. that was much more hardened and confrontational and harder to change that system of thought than the other one, the other way. So do you think what kind of the the glue, going back kind of to that yeah. or glue, was it more kind of that being Latino? I think so. You know, and I think that a lot of it, you know, and we can speculate and I'll just speculate on some. I mean, I'm not saying it's the truth, but I will imagine, you know, one is that we've been raised in that culture from day one. So yeah. we know it. Yes. Right? It's the food, is the... Things that we say, the language, how we speak, yeah. how we how yeah. we think, how you know, right? There is a commonality, even though we come from Chile, Guatemala, Dominican Republic, Cuba, Mexico, yeah. you know, Chicano land here in the U.S., what have you. You know, there's some, uh, uh, there's a, uh, uh, you know, these base, you know, these roots. I guess yeah. going back to your metaphor, yeah. that yeah. are below the surface that ties in yeah. a way that, you know, gayness might not. Okay. You know, to like white, you know people right yeah. uh because part of it is because that has been so uh truncated and so you know separate that you know that is might take a little while to you know probably deepen our connection you know that 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 the roots of that tree you know the gayness tree with other ethnicities of course things have changed i'm not you know being a cynic uh, but it's still not there and uh and the other thing is that many of us were raised in at least the men, I can only speak for the men, either in matriarchal families, like in my family, yeah. you know, yeah. because my father, you know, was assassinated when I was 14. I mean, younger siblings were even younger. 
so we we are used to seeing a strong woman, a strong woman you know, keeping family. keeping the family together, you know, having three jobs. So we all have, you know, we have food on, on the table and a roof over our head. Uh, and, and so it's not uncommon for us to have Latinas, you know, be in that kind of leadership position. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, because Glue kind of became a family. Yeah. You know? and, and all the the great things that come with that and all the dysfunctions that come with that, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. But is uh, so I think that those were at least two factors that I can think of, uh, that there was more familiarity with that aspect of us being, you know, Latin America, U.S. Latinos, and, and also the fact that at least for the men, I would say that many of us, even we, either we were raised by matriarchal families or had an extended, because uh, yeah. I, I would, I love hanging out with my DS. You know, I just, you know, because they knew everything that was going on in the family. Yeah, you know? and and even in 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 Latin culture, you know, the 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 hearth, you know, the 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 kitchen, yeah. you know, the the yeah. that has yeah. become yeah, yeah, such yeah. a center for, you know, and I and even watching the documentary, you know, hearing the stories of 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 how you guys came together to cook, and yeah, retreats, yeah, retreats, and coming around the fire. Yeah, you know, yeah, the symbolism yeah. of of, of mm -hmm. life and 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 yeah. breath and you know, so yeah, it, it was just and togetherness cool. and togetherness. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, speaking of kind of the 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 roots and in 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 you know, you guys became started as you know um, the co-ed, but I know at some point there was a it, there was the the women became really strong. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And they started their own. Correct. Lesbianas Unidas. Lesbianas Unidas. So can you tell me about kind of at that juncture, what, you know, how did that? Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think like, you know, like many of them said in the film that, you know, the men were very supportive of that because we understood what it means to have uh, your own space where you get, you don't have to censor yourself. You don't have to have, because all it will take, there will be, let's say, 10 women and if one man is there, the conversation begins to shift okay. in different okay. ways, you know, either in reaction to or to accommodate, you know, that. And that is very subconscious because that is the colonized mind. You mm -hmm. know, it's not to say that uh, people would not speak in a liberating way, but, but it does. I mean, like I know that, you know, there's a 10, you know, gay Latino man and you have someone, let's say a white man walks in, it start. It begins to shift the conversation. Yeah, you know? yeah the energy then, shifts. Yeah, I mean, it's like you know, you and your woman friends, and then one male person yeah. walks in, even if it's your husband, right, or your your brother. It, yeah. it, it begins to shift, and I, so yeah. we 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 intuitively understood that, and and we also supported that, you know. But uh, and and I was just very very glad and very happy that that ended up going, and I didn't see it as they are leaving us or they are splintering. No, I, I really saw it as part of strengthening, you know, the whole organization. Yeah. Even though there was, um, uh, how do I say, you know, there was a division, but uh, not division, but there was a, uh, a, a different form where that happened that was not glue as a whole. I didn't see it as being, um, you know, kind of like living glue, but also, but if anything, really expanding on the notion of what glue was yeah so 
so we're now, I mean, this was formed in 1981 and yeah. it's almost what, 40, 40 years, you know? 42 years ago, yeah. 42 years ago. So, you know, you have these deep roots in not just your, the gay community, the Latino community, but you also have very deep roots in the activism, yeah. social activism. Yeah. And not just social activism, but kind of bringing those those together in platforms such as film, the film, yeah. which is another hard platform to break through as mm-hmm, a Latino mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and gay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, how how has that work been? You know, in your life, how how has you know? How, can you talk a little bit about kind of the struggles that yeah. you faced? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I think is. The main thing is to have a purpose. You know, what is your purpose? And sometimes it might be you are very conscious of it. Sometimes it might be subconscious, as you know, studying, you know, Jungian psychology and that psychology. Sometimes the unconscious wants to be made conscious, you know, wants to break through. And and our job is to actually do that, right? Otherwise, it becomes a shadow uh, in our parlance. It becomes a shadow that could eat you up. And and I and I always had this sense of I want to leave this world uh, a better place than what I found it. And since I was little, since I was little, I remember I will be I don't know seven eight years old, and you know we had maids. Uh, you know we had a bakery that hired twenty people, but we also had ladies who would help in the house. They worked in the house. They would cook. They would wash our clothes and take care of us, babysit, what have you. And and they were so discriminated against you know because they were treated like just things like objects Mm -hmm. you know i mean i'm not saying that my parents or my siblings or you know or or even the other workers but they were like at the bottom of the totem pole you know for being women and many times for being women of color because many of them were african descent or indigenous descent or mixed and and certainly lower social class and i remember that i will advocate for that I will advocate, like if I will see some abuse, I will tell my parents or I will speak out. And um, and I would be accused of being like the boyfriend of these, you know, ladies who are like 30 years old, you know, and I was like a senior kid because, you know, I supposedly liked them or something and that's what I was defending them. But I but I remember having that sense of social consciousness and and uh, and, and really noticing the class differences, uh, uh, which are, not something we talk about in the U.S., but clearly uh-huh. uh, that 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 is so prevalent here as well. In yeah. addition to the racial uh, and and gender dynamics uh, and gender identity, but um, so to me, when I came to the U.S., I I felt that I was demoted. You know, like here in my town, everyone knew my mom. My father was the president of the Lions Club because we had a Lions Club in Puerto Barrios. My mom was um, the the president of some charity organization that helped to raise money for what have you, what have you clubs. And and when I came here, because all that was basically, uh, you know, destroyed because my dad decided to join the underground guerrilla resistance movement. And my mom left to come to the US because she was so concerned that she also was going to get killed yeah. uh, and assassinated like my father eventually did. And so I, when I came, I was, I felt the motion. I mean, that was the other thing that as soon as uh, I, as I was crossing the border, I felt like, wow, you know, the openness, clean, structured, nice options at the supermarket, what have you. 
but as soon as I enrolled in school, I I felt that I didn't speak English. So I was a wetback, you know, and I was called a wetback. I, um, you know, certainly my language was demoted, right? Because Spanish, I remember I was in line one time when I wanted to, you know, in lunch. And then I was talking to this friend of mine who I still remember, Salvadorian guy. And I was talking to him in Spanish and this guy turned around and says, quit talking that shit. Huh. And I didn't know, I didn't know a lot of English, but I knew what shit meant, you know? So, <laughs> I, so I knew that much and hey, this is making this guy upset. Uh, and and so I was demoted in class uh, in terms of social economic class. I was demoted in language. I was demoted in my um, in in my ethnicity. I was demoted. So, so this whole and that for me created such a contrast that I said I want to join a group that helps me to empower people like me. So I became the president of the ESL club, English as a Second Language Club, because I was in ESL yeah. all throughout high school. And I became the president and I became the leader. And, and you know, I, I mean, my English was, you know, I, mean, I, I still struggle with phonetics, but certainly at that time it was like, yeah. uh, but I, I was there. I was there making difference, speaking on behalf of all the English as second language students, which were probably 20% of the school, Los Angeles High School. Yeah. Um, and, and so I think that that, and of course, when I went to college, then I realized that I needed to also come out as a gay man to fully integrate, you know, all these parts well, of me. And like you said, you know, to enroot, right? Yeah. All these uh, identities and dynamics and, and in a way that eventually will come as a whole thing, like a kaleidoscope that has many sides, many colors, many shapes, but they're one. So do you think that maybe doing documentaries and film has kind of, connected those you know the roots it has yeah. deepened the connection between yeah and, and more than anything else yeah it certainly has it uh well one thing uh that for sure is we had no idea we were making history we had no idea we thought we were just being part of a social political club that you know just wanted to be treated with respect and dignity you know yeah. Uh, which in and out of itself is amazing work, right? Especially because we're in their early 20s. I tell people that the the oldest guy, the co-founder, the founder actually, Jose Ramirez, the uh, New Rican, uh, Puerto Rican born and raised in New York, he was 28 and he was the elder. He was the one that we listened to and the one that we, you know, we felt he had all the answers, right? Uh, so, so I think that for me, it was more that... Uh, yeah, we just wanted, uh, Unidad was a way to give people a sense of that experience mm -hmm. and, uh, and and a contribution and to use it as a forum for them to dialogue with themselves, regardless of where they are. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it like, it, it, it brought those voices together, yeah. you know, yeah. Yeah, yeah. In, in one platform. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and it's, it's like you said, it's about belonging. You know, I, I took this film, I saw I, I saw this film in uh, Lake Chapala, Ahihig, which is south of Guadalajara. And uh, Ahihig, 30% of the people in, in that town are expats. They're American, Canadian, European, mm -hmm. and for 90% white expats. Uh, again, you know, North America and Europe. And I saw the film, and, and you will think, right, this is gay, Latino, lesbian, Latino, immigrants, you, you know, it's like, 
they can relate. Why would they relate? They love the film. They love the film because as expats, they totally got what having a sense of uh, community is, a sense of belonging, and mm-hmm. a sense of being enrooted in something. And, yeah. and by the way, these people are not, they didn't go to uh, Lake Chapala or Guadalajara, you know, because they were being kicked out of the U.S. or because the economic reasons or whatever, you know, this was maybe a little bit of economy, but this is a truly much more of a choice. Our migrations from Central America have been mostly forced migrations yeah. Yeah. because of civil wars, because yep. of violence, because of drug traffic. I mean, you name mm-hmm. it, right? Uh, that's not the case with these expats, you know, uh, Americans going to. to yeah. But nevertheless, they totally, totally identify. The session, the Q&A, and I was the, the only person there from Unidad, uh, it went on for like an hour and something. I thought after 10 minutes of the of conversation, after they saw the film, I said, you know, they're going to be done, whatever. No, they wanted to continue. Yeah, because yeah, it's yeah. all about belonging. It's about enrooting, just like the themes of your podcast. Yeah, you mentioned something important that I think a lot a lot of immigrants that have mm-hmm. come to the U.S. Um, by choice, mm-hmm. and I think that's what sets you. You know, you when I say you, like the group, you know, that came together to form Glue, is that most of you were forced out of your country, out of your birth. Country. And, and it's still, I would say that most oh. migrants to the U.S. are forced. Look yeah. at the Venezuelans. Look at the yeah. Nicaraguans. Look at the Mexicans. You know, I mean yeah. that. Mexico immigration migration to US has subsided substantially. But I would say that most migrants are, are forced. Yeah, I mean, and, not and, physically dragged, but you know, the economic forces and violence. And it's an abrupt uprootedness that happens. Absolutely. You know, you're you are you are never prepared for it for that. You know, no matter how old you are, you you're never fully prepared to be uprooted in such a forceful you know way Absolutely. so to so to find ways to root yourself again yeah. in a yeah, yeah, foreign yeah. country is really critical really difficult you know yeah. Yeah, yeah. so, you, so need- you know that's why people go to churches people go to clubs yeah. people you know they find ways but you're never quite touching solid ground at yeah. least i still feel that way yeah yeah. I mean, even myself, after yeah. being in this country for, I don't know, over 30 plus years, yeah. I still yeah. feel like my I have no no solid ground, like you said. Yeah. It, mm-hmm. and, and I still, still find tentative. Yeah. yeah, I still find myself kind of, okay, do I have, you know, roots here? Do I have roots, you know, in Colombia? But then the other thing that happened, you start losing family you know the your ancestors starts to wither you know you, they start right. to die and so you you have to rely on on also future re- generations yeah like how how in your view how do you keep spreading those roots like how do you make sure yeah that- i mean you know i i think by telling these stories i think by telling the story by sharing the stories so like i invited uh like at the um film premiere of Unidad on June 13 at the Los Angeles Film School this past June. Uh, my sister was there, my younger sister, my niece was there, my brother was there. I think just keep on telling the stories and, and connecting people to those stories. But it's, it's very uh, challenging because American culture is very successful in terms of 
uh, how to say, perpetuating itself, and 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 uh, which is good. We just want to make sure that we're part of that uh, that uh, that uh, tapestry, mm-hmm. you know, and that and that our stories are also part of that general history and general stories that are being told. I don't think that they necessarily have to be mutually exclusive. I mean, sometimes they could be, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, so we have to continuously tell the stories. And I think that's why your podcast is so important because it's one way to continue telling the yeah. stories. Yeah, and, and I think we have to, as individuals and as human beings, we got to continue having platforms yeah. to right. share, you know? Yeah. Even I think in the documentary, there's um, I think it was maybe a glimpse of like a newspaper article or, or or something that said sharing our historias. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was a flyer. It was a flyer for a retreat. Yes, it was a flyer, and yeah. and I, and I love that. It's kind of mm-hmm. it, it crossing languages, you know, because even the even saying is sharing our historias. Yeah, you know, yeah. and we all. But, yeah. And the thing about it is that when people are young, let's say, you know, your kid, my nephews and nieces, they they might not appreciate it, might like it here and there. But when they get to be in their 40s and 50s, they're going to miss that and they're going to want to reclaim that. So that's what is so important to never uh, stop sharing those stories and, and to share them in a way that they're empowered and yeah. that, that allows us to own being in our new country because for me this is my country this is where my i have invested most of my life and this is where i made most of my contributions but um you know but on the other hand like you said you know as immigrants i feel that we're we're instead of like neither here nor there i actually feel like i am part of here and also part of there yeah yeah and do you still have um connections i mean you still have family Yeah, I have family, not immediate family, but cousins and uncles and, you know, most of my father's family is still there. uh, And most of my mother's family are here, but I still keep connections and I I keep up with the politics there. And, uh, you know. Yeah, no, it's important to to stay connected and to not lose our grounding and our roots. Absolutely. Yeah, I think it enriches us. It definitely enriches us. Yeah. So this, you touched on the word enrich. Um, and I think something that I want to come across and I want to leave us with is the importance of finding ways to feed our soul, you know? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. in what ways have you found that being part of glue um, have fed your has fed your soul? Yeah, I think the friendships that I made, even though we, many of us had not seen each other for 40 years since, you know, we left Glue, you know, or 39 years. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I think the minute we saw each other, uh, it was like, we just saw each other yesterday. Mm -hmm. So I I think that's one way to keep, uh, uh, to keep those stories alive. Uh, But I also have... um, I'm, I'm in community. I'm in community. I go to different events. I support different events. I give money to different events. I contribute in different ways. Uh, right now, I'm doing uh, a campaign on behalf of Bambi Salcido, who is a transgender uh, woman, uh, Mexican transgender woman, who, when she was young, you know, she was doing, you know, things that, you know, basically she ran into trouble with the law. 
but it was petty crimes. And, you know, she wants to be legalized in, in terms of her immigration status. And she needs a pardon from the governor of California, Gavin Newsom. So I initiated a petition three weeks ago, and we already have close to 10,000 signatures. That's wow. amazing. So, yeah. So the, I, I think just being rooted in community and, and, and contributing to community and, and keeping those relationships and, and moving and fighting for social justice. That's how I, I get I That's how I'm getting myself with it. Well, I think something that I want to do, you know, as, as we end here, I, I definitely want to include that link to that petition. Yes, absolutely. So I'll send it to you. And keep... Yeah. Um, you know, adding yeah. signatures. Yeah, yeah. She's an including, amazing Including myself. Um, yeah, please. Thank you. Appreciate that. Yeah. So, and, and I think like you say, you know, part of the reason why I started this podcast is to give voice to people, yeah. you know, to tell mm. stories, you know, and yeah. stories that have to do with, with something deeper than ourselves, you know. Mm -hmm. and, and bigger than ourselves. Bigger than us. And yeah. so, you know, as we kind of finish, what can you, what advice would you say or would you tell younger gen generations that might be going through similar struggles or issues that you have gone through? What would you yeah. tell them? I would say create a community, uh, have trusting friends that you can share, uh, develop good relationships uh, with people, with family, with friends, with colleagues. Um, we we are social animals and we need we want to be part of an ecology that is supportive and, and really um be very discerning very critical as to whose company do you keep uh i i think that's very critical and sometimes we have to let go and i have i have let go of people who they're, they're just not aligned they're just not aligned and it doesn't mean they're bad people they're horrible people um, actually, in a couple of cases, I would say that is the case, but, but I would say for the most part, uh, they're incredible people. Yeah. Incredible people. They're just not aligned with yeah. where I want to go. And and more, we create more space for people who are aligned with our purpose. Okay. If you want to go to school, but your friends absolutely don't want to go to school and they don't believe in that and they're going to drag you down, it's time to make new friends who are in alignment with that goal and with that purpose well thank you thank you ro so yeah, before thank we uh, before, before we end this i do want to want you tell our listeners how they can find you um you know sure. any any new projects i know you mentioned this one um, pro um not project but um with ba bam bam oh, yeah yeah the the bam yeah this yeah. Uh, this is a petition yeah, uh, but any, anything else that you want to leave our listeners with, please do. No, I mean, I think, you know, well, thank you. And uh, I hope uh, they got uh, tremendous value out of this. Um, you know, we, even though we have different experiences, uh, we, we do connect at some level, at the root yeah. level, like you said, yeah. you know, that I, I think it's the metaphor of the oak tree that is one of the few trees that don't, I, I hope I'm, I mentioned the right tree, but it's one tree <laughs> yeah. that it doesn't matter how hard the winds are, how, you know, the speed, like it could be however many miles uh, per hour. And those trees still standing and they didn't understand why until they went below the surface and understood that their roots were very much intertwined. Yeah. There are a lot of other trees and a yeah. whole ecology below the surface that really kept them rooted, like, yeah. you know, which 
theme of your podcast. So get yourself rooted in your own sense of you, but also with all the people who are aligned with where you want to go, with your, who are aligned with your highest aspiration. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, we're more alike than we than we think. Yeah, 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 yeah. So do you have a website or anything for? No, not yet. I'm I'm working on it kind of thing. But I can, uh, they can call, they can uh, email me at ropalencia, R-O, Palencia, uh, yahoo.com. And you can also okay. write it in your, you know, ropalencia, yahoo.com, Roland right. Palencia. That's my And, and so. we'll, I'll definitely link also the documentary. Unidad. The documentary for sure, unidadmovie.com. Yes, yeah, and definitely they, the link to the uh, petition, the Bandis on Cedar petition. Yes. So I will no, definitely that would be grateful. That, so. Eternally grateful. Thank well, you, Jimena. I, this yeah. is such an incredible experience and it's, it's so important to have these forums. Thank you. you know, Thanks bro, for so. being here on Root Stories of the Soul. And I want to thank all the listeners and um, thanks again for tuning in and until next time. Thanks again. Until next time, yes. Alrighty, thank you so much. Well, we have reached the end of today's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you've enjoyed this podcast and today's episode, be sure to share and subscribe and rate and review wherever you listen to podcasts. I am your host, Jimena Dusan Aya Pearson. And again, you've been listening to Root Stories of the Soul. Stay tuned for next week's episode where we will be continuing to talk about the soul of place. Without viewers and listeners like you, this would not be possible. So thank you again for joining me today. Until next time, have a wonderful day.